Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. I have a silent E in the middle, I think. Uh, yeah, that's less cool. Just pointing that out. Yeah, I'm um, sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a book came out. I don't know if you guys, I, I got this book in the mail. Um, I think somebody got a fancier one from his local game store, which is the correct the correct way to do it. I, um, I braved a pandemic to go get to yeah, it, just so exactly. we're all clear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, kind of Tasha's and what we what we think about it and what's going on. Um, there's also quite a bit of news going on in the world, uh, or in the D and D world, I guess I should say. Um, yes. And that this is our official like Tasha's book review thing i don't know have you had have you had time to read it i think i could say half of it and i've skipped through and perused the back half Mm -hmm. with intentions of going back and really kind of diving into the magic from like about the magic miscellanea on because i read a little bit about the patrons i read a little bit about the magic items and the spells and stuff but i want to take a little bit deeper dive into them that i just kind of scanned them yeah, the patrons weren't too different from Eberron, um, and it's just this mm-hmm. idea of like, I don't know, having a king or an organization or something, and I, I really like it. Uh, the I guess the big thing is they're they're change changing how you and these are all optional rules, but you can you can uh, change up your uh, racial stats. So if you are a dwarf with plus two con and plus one wisdom, you can now rotate those around. And so you could have plus two strength and plus one intelligence if you wanted. Uh, And that is interesting. And I was listening to another podcast and I feel, and I don't want to like steal from them because, but they're really good. But they had a really good idea where they said, you know, a lot of people are using D&D 5e um, to do other types of gaming simply because that's the system they're familiar with. So if they want to play a, like, I don't know, space RPG or a superhero RPG, they might try and use 5th edition mechanics to do that because that's what they're familiar with as an RPG. So it's like, well, how can I rewrite this? Um, and what, as, a, as like a race, what does it need to have for, uh, like, if I give it dark vision, is it too powerful if it has... Uh, this other ability or or how many stats should I give kind of a thing. And so th- offering this up, like being able to say my dwarf is not uh, strong, he's intelligent, and he mm-hmm. doesn't have armor proficiency, he's actually really good at thieves tools, is a way to kind of create your own custom race um, or to say dwarves in my world are different. Uh, and so rather than, you know, cause like D and D five E was kind of built upon or Dungeons and Dragons in general is like a fantasy role-playing setting. So it kind of makes sense that all of the elves have these proficiencies or these languages, but if you want to be a little different, so they were saying that because that is so popular, this was kind of inevitable is that, uh, wizards would say, here's how you do it yourself kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to shout out to my friend, Stephen Thomas. I think I sent it to you is that he was working on a superhero yeah. uh, rule system using Dungeons and Dragons 5e. And this is kind of thing. So you don't, you don't have to be like, well, here are the dwarf superheroes. You just 
rotate like, oh, I want this to be like this. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting and I didn't think about it like that is that there's probably a lot of people out there that aren't looking for the right RPG. They're just using what they know to play the game that they want in a way. So. Right. Yeah, I think it's because we have so many options now and they're so varied and the way you can imagine them could be a little bit more technology bent or a little bit more fantasy bent or a little bit more magical bent because you kind of get to describe the things you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more room for people to come in and say, you know what? I want to make a Mandalorian game yeah. that's just using 5e rules. And I don't need to change almost anything to get flying in, to have like a missile fireball-y thing hit something to have little darts of damage hit things. And all of a sudden I've got Mandalorian armor just by, you know, describing it, but I've used, you know, maybe a a fireball, maybe I've used flying or levitate, or maybe I've used, you know, some of these other things. And with all the summons that are in there now, you, you catch a lot of that stuff. And yeah, I, I think it's never been easier to probably convert it to something you want to do, especially with unlocking the, well, only this can do this. You know, only elves can be blade singers, or right. only, you know, only dwarves get plus two constitution for this thing, and they, you know, whatever. You can get proficiencies, and you can get languages, and you can get, you know, just all the different stuff. Which I think we, yeah, I I don't know if it's a like you're saying if it's a reaction to lots of people wanting to make five E into other things, as much as it is when you go down the road of we want to give our players more options so they buy more books, mm-hmm. you get there, that's your destination no matter what. You can't, if if your goal is to give people more options, you're always going to end up there, right? There's no other road to yeah, take. Yeah, and I guess that that brings up like the, the power creep kind of yeah, thing oh, yeah. that I wanted to talk about is that you're right, you do want to sell more books, you want to offer more options, and so you do get to this point where you're like, wow, and and so to, on that on that topic, what does this book do for um, the power gamer? Because mm-hmm. what I was describing is, hey, uh, let's say Lucian, you're going to make a, a campaign setting, and you're going to say, I'm going to limit it, limit this campaign setting to these races, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to reflavor dwarves using these rules. So now dwarves have uh, a high intelligence instead of other things, and they yeah. lose this proficiency for this other one. But the 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 power gamer mindset is like, well, if we're doing those optional rules, DM, I should be allowed to play this halfling that has all of these other things because I'm going to swap out all of my abilities to like min max my character. And that's kind of, in my interpretation, that's losing the point of what this was offered, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way I was talking to another person and they were saying like, this is stuff that people have done all along but there are those people that need that official stamp from the game creator to say, this is, this is allowed now, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to do this kind of a thing. And, uh, cause lots of people homebrew all kinds of stuff. And we were talking yeah. about it in, in relation to campaign settings. And specifically I've been doing a lot of Spelljammer videos on my channel lately. And everyone's, I'll get a lot of comments where they're like, I, I can't wait until they make a 5e Spelljammer game. And it's like, but you don't, you don't have to wait. Like the rules are all there. You literally just have to like play in that world. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's just kind of, you make it happen. Um, if you need to craft a new spell, you craft a new spell and you go along with it. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. It's so 
the power gamer, I guess, the the min maxer, yeah. this is a very interesting book from that their that standpoint, you know? Well, the one bonus you get for them being the ones that do it is you know they've balanced it to fit in the game they designed. Whereas if me and you come at it from me and you are going to make a spell jammer thing and we create yeah. a ship that can do something, we have no real idea the balancing of that because we weren't even part of the balancing of the original game, let alone what's something we add in. So I wonder if people are a little weary about that. Maybe some aren't. I think there's a lot of people who want to play the game and want to be able to read in a book and find all the things, but maybe they don't want to make them. Like, I think me and you are not that group. Like we're part of the group that wants to make things and tinker with things and create our own things. But I think there might be a bigger group out there that just want to be able to look it up and be done. Yeah. So. It, yeah. And I think, I think that group also is, uh, they're not going to play an Eberron game, but they're excited for what the Artificer can do and and things like that. And Lucian has to tell his dogs to stop talking <laughs> or barking. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I And also, I was going to say that there's a lot of Ranger options in here that uh, I will say just kind of fix it, um, fix problems with the Ranger. And it I loved it. felt yeah. that they, they did that and then they were like, well, we can't just give the ranger stuff. So they went and gave optional things to all of the classes. And you have, uh, like, Fighter just is, is feels, I don't know, I need it's to play, like a an, I need to play, chapter. yeah, I need to play yeah. a new <laughs> fighter now because it feels like it's so crazy and, uh, and you can do so much with it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm I'm trying to wrap. I'm trying to get a really good opinion on how, on what I feel about this because I like having new options. I was excited for the new subclasses. Some of them I'm more excited than others. Uh, the optional rules seem like fun and interesting, but this almost uh, feels like a a video game patch. You know, like oh, you're <laughs> playing vanilla D and D. Like I'm playing the latest blah 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 D and D. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really have <laughs> thoughts other than that. I just, it just feels weird. Uh, like we're, we're codifying um, a, a pen and paper game rather that that's made up in our imaginations, but I have to specifically know how it works and that I'm allowed to change this stat block to here. And, yeah. you know, I can, I can lose this armor proficiency for this weapon proficiency. So yeah. I don't know. The other thing I kind of noticed too, is that, um, they keep their things within the mechanics of what they've normally had. Mm -hmm. Whereas I notice a lot of other people that are going to homebrew 5e stuff, they bring mechanics in from other games they like. So they might bring a cipher mechanic in, they might bring a DCC mechanic in, they might bring, you know, uh, whatever other game they really like to play. And then they bring that in to their version of DD2. Whereas this shows us how you can do it without changing dice mechanics, without changing, you know, making big sweeping changes to it yeah it's amazing how they're able to stay right in their lane and still give us all the cool options that they want it would i would be really excited to see them do a sci-fi game using their rules and the way they flavored it just because we've seen kind of how pathfinder does it we've seen how starfinder does it yeah but if you look at pathfinder and starfinder they don't play exactly the same no yeah not at all. Um, and you so. don't feel like you're in the same lane when you're playing those two things but i think if if wizards did it you would be like oh my god this does feel like a DD game even though i know we're playing you know a post-apocalyptic you know future world or whatever you mm -hmm. know so 
I don't know. I like the book. I mean, we're, we're talking a lot of abstracts. There's just so much good stuff in it mm-hmm. that has me super excited just reading through it. And the artwork caught me on, like when, when you kind of listed what's your favorite class coming out of the book type thing, there were certain pieces of artwork that just grabbed me and said, now I want to play this. Now I want to play that. Now I want to do this. Because it was just so good how they presented a, a concept in just that picture. Yeah. So it's really awesome. Uh, yeah. So leading into that, what, what caught your eye? Like, what are your favorite subclasses? What are your favorite new mechanics or anything? Like, what do you got? What, what's, I what's think the biggest one, the one that's my biggest surprise and the one that I'm, I'm really leaning towards my next character is def. I want to try this armor mm-hmm. as an artificer playing a powered armored kind of, yeah, the Iron because Man you've build. got like lightning <laughs> shooting out and you've got defensive and you can pick one of two types of suits and, mm-hmm. You're like, and you're upgrading those as you go, and you've got some options here, there, and you. There's so many ways you could describe that in the game that would make it cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't even expect that one to jump out at me, and then when I was reading through it, I was like, okay, this one's really good. But I'm playing Twilight Domain, which is one of the best domains added to Cleric right now, and it's been really good. I really enjoy it. Mm. I basically have like you know I'm playing Moon Knight from the comics at this yeah. point with with moving around. I just think it's so fun. Um, another one that I saw in there that I don't know if you that the picture grabbed me and then I wanted to read more about it was the Wildfire Druid. Yeah, like that didn't even pop onto my radar when I was looking through the 22 subclasses, but then I saw the artwork of a fox in the mm-hmm. shape of a fire spirit. And I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. What's this thing all about? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, good. And then you get to like battle master page. They're talking about fighter stuff. You can do a bunch of stuff with fighters and maneuvers. And then there's like, here's all the ways you can use battle master to flavor these 10 or I don't even remember how many it was different types of things, hopolites, fighters, you know, just mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, this is super cool. I'd love to see that in all the different, here's your wizard. Here's 10 different flavors of how you could use these wizard things. Here's this, mm-hmm. here's how you could flavor that. I was so good. Um, I'm still heavy on rune Knight. I think rune Knight would be another cool one, mm-hmm. similar to armor, but I'm playing a fighter now, a arcane archer. So I probably would wait, I got to I got to play some magic for a while and then come back and play a fighter fighter class at some point. Um, all the ranger stuff is great. I mean, I thought everything in ranger was really good. And then all the summonings that the wizards got really caught my eye. So, I yeah, mean, lots of I wanted they, to pick one and I couldn't. Yeah, they kind of figured out summoning and I guess they figured out that some people want to play like a a pet style class. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm playing a conjuration wizard right now and it and it is you start, you know, apples to apples kind of looking at like, well, I could summon an air spirit or I could summon this like elemental thing Uh, Mm -hmm. or no, I could summon an air elemental or I could summon an air spirit using the same equivalent spell slot. And this one's kind of better. Like the other one has uh, some extra features, but this one's just a little more robust and it scales with levels and stuff. And, and so uh, it's kind of interesting. And I, I wish that again, this is something you could do as a, uh, Mm-hmm. as a dungeon master in your game or just talk to your players. But uh, I was looking at uh, druids recently and I was looking at like a coastal druid and one of their always prepared spells is summon elemental. And I wish that you could swap that always prepared spell out for the new elemental spirit summons that they have because yeah. they're just better and it doesn't take a minute to cast them. It takes an action. So you can do it in combat. Like, Oh, I need this now kind of a thing rather yeah, than and it's even yeah. like, 
you know, summon Fey, summon Shadow Spawn, summon Undead, summon Aberration yeah. Construct or Elemental. You get a wide range. It's no longer just as limited. It doesn't feel like to me. Yep. Summon so the, the Necromancer, and, now I kind of want to play a Necromancer because you could have yeah. that. And uh, or a, a a warlock that summons aberrations and things like that. Um, even even like a creepy bard, like you could do the uh, what's the scary bard? I forget its name, but uh, College of Shadow or something. But yeah, you could like use that and then use your magical secrets to get um, a, a summon like that. So yeah, and then getting cantrips wizard wise, picking up booming blade. That's going to help you do your mm-hmm. you know your um, spell singers. Green Flame Blade, Lightning Lure, Mind Sliver, Sword Burst. Those are all kinds of cool things to add into that cadre. And then Enhance Ability, Tasha's Mind Whip. I mean, you're just getting into some really cool additions that you didn't get with Wizard before. And me and you, I, I think we're both calling it out Whispers, quite a bit because we you. both played Wizards yeah. <laughs> like to a pretty high level. I played mine to, I think it made it to 11. Uh, Josh A must be what eleven or twelve at this point. No, he's still ten. But ten. Uh, but even getting to that point, you're you're deep into wizard when you get yeah, to ten at yeah. that point. So I'm having fun with you, it. <laughs> you peruse through spell lists for hours at a time, trying to figure out what you're gonna do. So I like it. So what what about you? What what jumped out at you? Um. So I was I and I know we had the genie warlock already. Yeah. Uh, because they released it earlier with the D and D celebration, but. Now that it's in D&D Beyond and stuff, I started playing around and trying to build different things. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's weird because, like, I was very excited for the Genie Warlock, but the more I try to build some kind of theme or, like, I don't know, I've been trying to build a Genie Warlock and I can't find one that I'm like, oh, this is what I want to play. And so then I go back and I change it and I do this and I'm like, well, maybe I need to pay a pact of this or maybe I need to change this or or maybe I have the wrong genie type. Uh, so it's weird because that was the one I was most excited about. And now I'm kind of like blase about it. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, fighter just got a lot of stuff. Uh, I like the rune fighter a lot. Uh, the Is it the rune knight? Is that what it's called? I forget. Um, rune knight is one of them. Yeah. But I liked that aspect uh, the Psy Warrior seems cool, but I, I need to like reread it and kind of really understand it a little bit. But the mm-hmm. Rune Knight feels kind of like a mini artificer to me. Like you kind of, I know you're not building things, but you're infusing objects with magic using these runes. And it would be really interesting to play um, a character like a, a Goliath or something that, that focuses on this. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, and it would even be funny because they're all kind of giant themed, like rune magic is kind of giant magic. And it would be interesting to play like a halfling that's like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get big, like, <laughs> I'm, like working <laughs> on it. Um, because there is like an ability for a minute. You can just get really big and people yeah, were use talking. Use that Duragar. Yeah. Enlarge. Pe- yeah. Well, people were talking about, um, you, you could use this to get, uh, cause, uh, giants might, sorry, you get a feature at third level that for a minute, you get to, uh, you magically grow and your size becomes large. And so mm-hmm. if you wanted to build some kind of a grappler build, like this is kind of mm-hmm. cool. And and you could, because you can only grapple things that are your size or smaller. So the fact that I could, you know, it'd be kind of cool, this image of like you're holding down a demon while other people are like poking at your, you know, your party members or something. So yeah. or there just might the be idea a fun, of hulking uh, out. Yeah, yeah. Just hulk. There might be a fun uh, grappler build with that. 
Um, mm-hmm. I also really was surprised by the way of mercy, which is a monk uh, thing. And um, just the ability of using your key more than stunning. I thought that was fun. So uh, you can heal people with your key and you can also cast like uh, blindness and, and, and status abilities. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of fun. I like, cause I, I always think about that with uh, monks where they're, I don't know, like pressure points and acupuncture and they hit you in the right thing. And all of a sudden now you're dizzy and that is represented with the stunning strike. But I like that you're able to do other things like you're blocking chakra points or something and they, they can't see. So that one, I've never wanted to play a monk. And all of a sudden I was like, I would really be interested in playing way of mercy, I think. Yeah. Um, And then the soul knife rogue uh, caught my eye too. And I, I like the ability that you, you can't be, you can't lose your weapons, but it feels like you're very tied into using those as weapons and you can't like all of a sudden you are handed this magical dagger and then you're like, oh, well, the whole point is that I have this, you know, side blade (laughs) kind of things. But I don't know. So I I don't know how I feel about that, but I like the idea of it. And and so maybe I'll maybe I'll try a soul knife rogue at some point. Maybe you homebrew that and you can add the magic bonus to your sign knife or something. Something, So you don't have to get rid of the dagger. (laughs) it It was just one of those things. I think I feel the same way about monks sometimes where. I, I'm like, but part of the fun of D&D for me is getting magical items. And mm-hmm. if you can't get like a cool magical If you build weapon, an unarmed yeah. guy or yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, fists of fury kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Or if you're even a fighter and you're like, I took all of these, because uh, there's new feats for, hey, I'm going to do extra bludgeoning damage. So you really spec yourself out to be this this guy that uses a hammer and then all of a sudden this talking longsword comes over and you're like, well, now all of those don't work well. Like I want to, you know, use this no. cool magic sword. But so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I had one campaign I did. I did one called the Black Door campaign and I wanted to experiment with whenever they picked up a magic item. It basically was just like a, a gray rod that emanated magically and you could tell it was magical it was like a a very magical material and when you picked it up if you thought about any of the weapons that you were proficient in it would take the shape of that weapon or take the shape of something that you were proficient in or could use and that's how you got your plus ones to either ac or damage or Mm. whatever you were looking for and that way they then the player really got to describe the weapon and how the, the so the magic item changed and if they switched it around and they reattuned then somebody else could use it later on also and say, oh, you know, in my hands, it's a cool plus one crossbow. But in your hands, you were like, it was a cool plus one greatsword of some sort, you know, or yeah. whatever. It's it's this magic item that that forms to, you know, the thought of the person using it. So because I was always worried about, yeah, I'm going to throw in some cool swords. Nobody made a character that uses swords. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's, isn't that what it always is? Like, okay. Oh, I, I mean, it's a mace now. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, yeah, that's funny. I, uh, speaking of like magic items, there's lots of really cool magic items in this. Um, mm-hmm. And the book came out for me on Tuesday on D&D Beyond. And then I got it uh, Wednesday in the mail. Um, but we have Rod of Seven Parts on Wednesday night. And uh, Ted just casually asked in our chat, like, are we going to see any cool magic items from Tasha's? And I was like, oh, yeah, I should throw some in. And boy, I went overboard. So mm-hmm. uh, my party now owns the Demonomicon of Igwilv. 
and uh, uh, LB actually like uh, she's uh, attuned to it, and she got a bunch of negative effects because she attuned to it. I think her character can't physically speak now while she's attuned no. to nice. uh, Tasha's um, yeah Tasha's book, the Demonomicon of Igwilv. Uh, but again, I, I, I which is kind of leading into where we were going with some other stuff with uh, um, talking about bardic inspiration. But I really like the idea of these artifacts being used in games and there's so many times mm -hmm. that like i've played games and we don't actually get the really cool magic items and what do they do so uh we're in the mm -hmm. end game now of uh rod of seven parts and it'll be interesting to see if they can use this uh demonomicon to a great effect but no i i think uh the book is worth your money it's a lot of fun um yeah. i i think the optional rules are good for some classes and overpowered for a little bit of others. So I think I, I don't, I don't know. I might pick or choose. I might not say every class. The entire book. Yeah. Like we're going to use the entire book. We're going to like, maybe we'll use a little bit of books. Uh, or if, if your players just like, Hey, thematically, this works a little better that I'd be like, okay, but, mm -hmm. um, but I do need to do like a really thorough reading, um, and really, you know, dive in more than I have. But yeah. If you let the whole thing in, you're getting bonuses, to not only classes, but there's a lot of more options for classes too, if you use those optional yeah. rules. Then you get the subclasses, you get some of the new magic spells, mm -hmm. you get feats that are in there. Well, and just um, changing up changing your subclass stuff. Uh, yeah. on, on a um, on a ability score improvement is kind of weird mm -hmm. to me. I don't, I'm like, mm, that's like a conversation I want to have with the player, not just like, hey, I leveled up. I don't like this anymore. I'm going to do this now. And you're like, oh, but like, <laughs> how did you do that in the world? You know, um, right. and things like uh, the like the wizard changing their cantrip on a long rest. And I always interpreted that wizards like, you know, these cantrips because you that is the spell you have practiced every day, multiple hours a day. And you can do it without even thinking. That's why it's a cantrip. It's just this really quick, like, huh. Uh, mm -hmm. And to say, like, well, now I don't need Firebolt anymore. I'm going to change it out for this. Uh, on a long rest, I was like, mm, I don't I don't know if I like that as much. <laughs> uh, so it's little things like that. Like, But but you have to remind yourself that they are optional rules. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think I would play my wizard by, like, swapping it out. Because I've swapped out cantrips before. But that was a conversation I had with my DM to be like, hey... I don't like this. Can I swap it out for something better? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. So it's a cover for you pick something, but then it doesn't do what you thought it did. Exactly. And that's, and we, I, I think, think we've all kind of made that mistake where yeah. you read through it and you think, oh, I think this is going to be good. Yeah. But then in actual play, you start to realize I may not have read that quite right. Or I wasn't thinking that this was going to happen. Yeah, this so synergy now, doesn't work how I had imagined yeah. that it would. Uh, and again, that goes back to the beginning of this conversation where wizards just finally said, it's okay to change this stuff. Mm -hmm. But like a lot of us were already doing that, you know, mm -hmm. like, because you just have a conversation at the table where you're like, you know what? I thought I could do this and this. That's not fun. I would like to change that for something that is fun. So I'm not playing a character I don't like, but you probably right. do have those really finicky people that are just like, I'm sorry, man, that's what you do. Like we could kill your character and you could start over from one. And you're like, well, I don't want to do that. You know? <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, so there was some sage advice. Uh, I did not watch it because I just am busy, but, uh, tell us all about that. What did you do with, uh, yeah, I watched a good part of it, but boy, did they dive into the complication of targeting with spells, right? Because, 
he, he started to dive into, sometimes you don't just have a range of a spell. There's a lot going on. You might have range of south, and then in parentheses, it might say 30 yards or something. So mm-hmm. they're trying to cover all of these things where, where does the spell emanate from, and then how far can it go? Sometimes that's on you. Sometimes that's within a certain range and then can go another certain range. It was like, mm-hmm. how do you put all that into words that there's not a lot of confusion? And I think they, they just wanted to kind of touch back on that. And I definitely think it was because, well, we got a bunch more spells in Tasha. So yeah. there's going to be some questions about, well, what does this mean or what does that mean? And I liked how and he it was said too. The, the target, because the, they changed the cantrips of uh, Booming Blade and Green Flame Blade where it targets yourself rather than so you basically can't twin those spells anymore and there's there's other things they did but but they yeah. weren't trying to nerf them is what i was understanding they were trying to clarify like this is how we always intended it to work we right. just didn't word it correctly the first time you know yeah or, or and that's what he yeah. said jeremy's like this was my fault i should have he says sometimes when i try to be concise with language it was in a moment we didn't need to be concise, right? <laughs> if we'd have just added in another sentence or two, it had cleared up hundreds and hundreds of questions mm-hmm. that they get. Um, but sometimes they're trying to be, you know, they're trying to keep it just, it seems like in your mind for a moment, if I say, oh, if I just say it in this one sentence, everybody will get it. But maybe it really needed two sentences or whatever. Yeah. So so I like that. And I like the humbleness of a designer. I like the idea that he's like, you know, this is mine. This went out and I should have understood and I, I, I get it now type thing. And I just thought it was cool. And it is a complicated thing because you're talking about lots of different ways that magic can emanate from a person using magic. And mm-hmm. obviously that's going to be, you know, complicated because magic's complicated, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're trying to do all these cool spell effects. So I thought it was a good, you know, if you're, if you're really into understanding the rules, um, I think we're all part of that community where we want to read a rule and we want to do what's fun, but if we can understand what they wanted to do and have fun too, that's great. You know, we don't want to not understand the rule yeah, yeah. and then just kind of like do it wrong. It's nice to know kind of what they meant or what they were trying to do and then get a good, so it was a pretty good video to watch. It was the only one they had out. They didn't really have too much else out. Um, D&D Beyond was still doing a few more videos here and there, but now that the book's out, I'm sure everybody's dived into it. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't look at it during the leak, if you didn't look at it, you know, listen to it on all the video people, all the YouTubers that got it early, you finally have your own book in your hand and you, you've yeah. gone through it. So yeah, there's, there's lots of, there. and, and they are, if you're still curious, there's lots of YouTube videos out there. Uh, n- nothing that I have done personally, but uh, I know <laughs> Nerd Immersion and uh, the Dungeon Dudes and a bunch of other people yeah, have done deep flip dives. throughs and deep dives and they talk about it. So you can see like, is this for me? Uh, but mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's the next Xanathers. Although if I had to, if I had to pick between Tasha's or Xanathers, I think I would pick Xanathers. Like I just like, mm. I don't know. I really, I was more excited for that book than I was uh, for this one, I guess. So. I did get War Mage out of Xanathars, which is my favorite mage subclass. What else would I have gotten? Uh, well, yeah, Gloomstalker Ranger in there is yeah. beast. And you haven't played these yet, and you like your Twilight Cleric, I guess I should say. So I did play Gloomstalker, but he died yeah. <laughs> to a dragon breath weapon. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Do I like Tosh? That's a great question. Do I like Tosh's more than Xanathar's? Too early to tell. I think I'm leaning Xanathar's, but I could see how reading through Tasha's a few more times and starting to understand some of the synergies mm-hmm. that it could take the place of Xanathar for me. I could see it happening if 
if I dive into it. Because especially if you're using some of those feats, there was like another one that I kept seeing was this idea of blind fighting, yeah. which I thought was cool. It's part of their, I'm sure it's cool because people think it's cool. I think it's also part of accessibility, giving people a chance to play, you know, these different types of characters um, that aren't just able characters, right? They have some type of thing going on and you can play that in the game. You can experience a little bit of that stuff in the game. But I was thinking, wow, it'd be fun to make a blind fight character and kind of play that through, see what that's like, even if it was like a, a spell singer or something, but use that optional rule or use one of those fighting styles as a as a different rule to, to throw some flavor in and stuff. Yeah. I just think that's interesting. Z- Zatoichi would be fun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And there's all kinds of great stories about the blind swordsman or, you know, uh, book of Eli, the movie, you know, you, maybe I'm spoiling it if you haven't seen that yet, but I won't go any further, but you know, there's yeah. some cool things in there about that kind of style of stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then in uh, the the weird, bizarre world that is D and D or Wizards of the Coast, uh, mm-hmm. Wizards is getting sued again for basically. <laughs> We're gonna have to the, start the same thing they did for uh, dr- the Dragonlance people. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Gale Force Nine filed a lawsuit against Wizards of the Coast, um, uh, and Gale Force Nine does a lot of their spell cards and various other things. Um, yeah, and then, I got it right here on my desk. Yeah. And then specifically, so they're a partner, you know, they've partnered with Wizards, but specifically they've been doing um, translations of the books is, is what I, I think I understand about this. Um, now their contract, yeah, now their contract is going to be up in December of 2021. Uh, and Wizards said, well, we want to actually terminate it December of 2020, like a year early. And they're just like, well, why do you want to terminate this? And they're not, they're not, I, I'm, I'm glossing over a bunch of it, but they're kind of going back and forth. And Wizard, and you know, and Gale Force 9 is like, you signed a contract. Like we want to, we want you to live up to your end of the bargain. And so they said, uh, Wizard said, well, we're, we have the right to approve all of the items that you've done. So after you've worked on a translation or after you've worked on a product, because it's using their intellectual property, they get to approve it or not approve it. And it's the mm-hmm. exact same thing they did with uh, the Dragonlance people, which was Dragonlance people are like, hey, we're sending in the book for revisions. And then Wizard says, well, we're not going to approve any more of you. And it's like, well, if you, that's a loophole. Like if you don't approve this, then it doesn't get made. And so you've hypothetically ended the contract early and that's a breach of contract, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a loophole. So that's why they're, but actually... it's a, something in the contract I can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, the, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it's that's why they're saying, Hey, we need to actually yeah. file a lawsuit now because yeah. you're, you're not playing by, they believe they're not playing by the rules. And it's yeah, kind of interesting rules. that it was literally the same thing they did with, with Dragonlance, <laughs> like they're doing with Gale force nine because Gale force nine is like, well, you know, mm-hmm. you have to approve this. And if you just don't approve anything anymore, then you've effectively ended the contract. So uh, I thought it was interesting because the the guy said, um, the CEO of Gale Force 9 said, you know, we've worked with Wizards for 12 years and this is a difficult position, but they've put us into this position because we've been talking for six months without any successor or or just pushing back and forth. It's like, guys, just work with us here but they won't. Um, and so I don't know. I guess this is what happens when you have like company leadership shakeups that are happening, which we did see with 
Wizards of the Coast, I believe. Um, and they had a bunch of people hired and let go mm -hmm. recently. And so I don't know. I would I would think those contracts they they should have to honor them at this point. But going forward, they should just have a buyout clause if they want to end a contract a year early or two years early. Put something in the contract yeah. that both parties agree to to say, hey, if it's just not working out or we want to go a different direction, we're going to give you this. And maybe they do have that and move but on. They because, still yeah, decided to go yeah. this like loophole route yeah. and be like, we've outsmarted you, Guild Force Nine. Yeah. And they're like, no, no. Like we yeah. have lawyers too. What are you doing? So or the other problem is they're given too long a contracts out, or whoever was giving out the contracts wasn't really, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh but it's it's interesting to see because you know, we love this game and it's it's mm -hmm. just but it's just really funny. Yeah, uh, I was thinking we're gonna have to start a segment that's like the legal. Yeah, legal like here of here's what's what's new today. So I'll I think there's a link in the uh the the article. I think I've linked the article down below, but if I didn't I put it in chat. Um, and so that's all we really know about that right now. Uh, they're just, we'll, we'll, we'll follow the story as more things come out, but it's just kind of the same with, uh, the Margaret Weiss and, uh, the Dragonlance. That's all I can think of. Uh, the Dragonlance people, I haven't heard anything new since they filed that lawsuit. So we'll, we'll see what happens from there. But, um, so, do you like cyberpunk, sir? Oh, you are muted. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. I um, like cyberpunk, but I'm interested to hear how you are stumbling upon this at this point. Yeah, so I, uh, a Cyberpunk Red came out recently, which I think is the updated version of the classic Cyberpunk 2020 role-playing game. Um, and uh, so Lucian has some uh, leaf blower problems that are happening with his neighbors and or people that he's hired to clean up. So that's why he keeps muting himself. But anyway... Um, I, I recently uh, signed up to be an affiliate with Humble Bundle because they had a, a DCC bundle that you could buy, a bunch of Dungeon Crawl Classic stuff. Go ahead and take a drink, Danimal. Um, and since then, I've noticed that they have a lot of RPG bundles where you can get a lot of really cool books for cheap. So uh, the latest one is Cyberpunk 2020. So I have an affiliate link in the description if you guys are interested. But it's a lot of books for the Danimal. world of Cyberpunk. Um and this was a 90s RPG, I think. And it was called Cyberpunk 2020. And it's funny. It's got this like post-apocalyptic history of like, here's what happened in the year 2000 and 2010. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is just really funny now that reading this and connecting yeah. it with uh, our real life pandemic that we're in now. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Or corporatization of yeah. everything. or yeah, So yeah. if you're interested in Cyberpunk 2020, I, I've never played it, but I, I always wanted to be a hacker as a teenager. I think I watched mm -hmm. a... I watched like sneakers and the movie hackers and things like that. And I'm like, this is just so cool. And I was really into technology, but I've never had an urge to play a cyberpunk game. I've read, uh, Oh, what's that Neil Stevenson book? Uh, snow crash, snow crash. So, so good. good. So good. But I still, I don't know Would I, would I play in it? So I was going to talk to you about, uh, just cyberpunk, the genre in general, I guess, mm -hmm. and how, uh, we have all these interesting RPGs coming out and cyberpunk red and, and the video game cyberpunk, what is it? 2077 or something. The, yeah. The Keanu I, got, Reeves I got a version. couple of them. So I've got, I've got the carbon the, on Netflix. You can watch, um, altered carbon, which is a cyberpunk show. Okay. So there's two seasons of it. You might get into that just to give you a good idea mm. of what you're getting into. And I, I'm, did the Kickstarter for the RPG for that. That's coming to the house pretty soon. 
And then I did another one called Carbon 2190 or something like that. That was mm-hmm. kickstarted up there. So I definitely have an interest. And I think it was an interest back in the uh, 90s, like you said, where we're playing D&D. We've been playing for a while, but you start to look for something else at some point. Yeah. Like you did some, you know, you're just kind of scouting around for what other RPGs are out there. And I always tend to start leaning towards sci-fi ones after I played a bunch of D&D. Yeah. And what I liked about cyberpunk was this idea of corporate runners and the corporations own the world uh-huh. and it's a very technological world, but they still need people to go in and do corporate espionage. But because corporations own the world, corporate espionage is taken to the point of people going in with guns and stuff to yeah, get the yeah. stuff they want, not just oh, I'm going to sneak in and if I get caught, it's like a misdemeanor or, you know, a felony, but nothing's going on. But this is like hardcore heisting. This is like hardcore hacking in and cutting doors down and then getting to security systems. And the buildings have like, you know, turreted guns that are automatically going to shoot things if if you're in the wrong place. So I like that idea and the idea of being a runner. This idea that you come from the CD underbelly and you're hired to go attack these lofty, corporations that have all this money and technology Mm -hmm. and research they're doing and you want that stuff for your for your thing and then the idea that you're you're augmenting your body or you're augmenting your mind so that you can do things you've got cool equipment lists of things you can do i think Um, i would like to play in this but i don't know where to start yeah and it's Shadowrun is definitely that yeah Shadowrun's definitely that but i wouldn't i wouldn't know where to i wouldn't know how to craft a campaign just yet I guess. Yeah. Like I would, I would definitely be interested. And we've talked about this where I'm like, I want somebody to run this system for me because I don't like call of Cthulhu. I really like it, but I don't think I understand mm-hmm. how to actually run a game of call of Cthulhu. It would be cool to have somebody who yeah. loves it to run me through it. Watch um, I was just season think- one altered carbon Netflix season one. I think you would come out of that after you were done going, okay, I could make some campaigns of this. Yeah. I get uh, this now. <laughs> it's funny. I was, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking of other books that I've read that are cyberpunk-ish. And mm-hmm. uh, David Wong wrote a book called Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of David Wong. He he did John Dies at the End and this book is full of spiders. Seriously, dude, don't touch it. Yeah. Uh, really, really interesting author. But uh, I just got the sequel to that for my birthday, um, uh, Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits. The sequel's called Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick. And it's, <laughs> Perfect. I, anyway, but that is also like uh, a, a different type of world where streamers are now like super popular and everybody has cameras on their shoulders because everyone's trying to stream yeah. and make make things happen. And she becomes the center stage of a uh, she gets a, a basically a hit put on her like they're trying to kill her. And it's like being streamed to the world. And so she's running for her life and it's like, oh, here are these people trying to kill her. And like people see her and they're like, oh, you're the girl that's going to die. And she's like, ah. <laughs> and so it's it's interesting, a, a good commentary on streamer culture and a lot of other things. But he writes really interesting books. So, yeah. Yeah. Snow Crash is one of the Snow Crash. Well, like I read Snow Crash back when it came out and it was like, oh, my God, it really captured me because of the going in and be having an, an avatar, but then coming back out of the world and mm. still being able to affect things. The idea that he was a courier, yeah. you know, the he had like a jet skateboard <laughs> thing yeah. yeah, in his car and all the stuff he would do. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. And ready player one kind of gets into that. Yeah. I, but I feel like ready player one is more about not so much about hacking, but about living in a virtual world. Yeah. 
where Snow Crash really does tackle the hacking portion yeah, of it. Because so, Snow yeah. Crash, the whole idea is that they've created a a, a virus in the computer mm -hmm. that affects your real life brain or something. So it, yeah. it's a good book. I recommend it. Uh, Neil Stevenson, he he writes good stuff. Um, so anyway, yeah, I don't know. Cyberpunk 2020. I got this humble bundle. Uh, I'm going to read through some of the PDFs in my free time, which is never, but, uh, it'll, it seems fun. I like the art a lot. It reminds me of Akira. Um, and it's yeah, just kind of like another cool. One. Yeah. And Akira is just amazing. So yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Cowboy Bebop. Uh, yeah. You know, the matrix really is yeah, a, is a cyber, a cyberpunk yeah. story. I mean, so very interesting. But yeah, so we'll, we'll transition over to, uh, Lucian's favorite part of the show. Uh, a, a little thing we call Bardic Inspiration. Definitely before the um, so exciting uh, technical and uh, legal part of the, <laughs> the session now. Yeah. yeah, legal. We have like legal questions or something like legal. You know, legal uh, and section. to the gentleman that tweeted us on to tweeted the Saturday morning D and D show that was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm a lawyer. If you want to have me on to talk about this, that would be really cool. Thank you for the tweet. Yeah. Uh, I think we don't, it's a, it's a road we're not necessarily uh, interested in Ready going down just in. yet. But like, if this blows up, maybe we do need to go do that. But I thought that was, that was really cool. And, and yeah. uh, all, all types of people play D and D. So that was really interesting and fun. Yeah. Uh, cool. I, I, I chickened out. I think I've done this one before, but we were talking about um, the demonomicon of Igwilv and the Book of Vile Darkness. And I had, I gave uh, two major artifacts to my players in this last campaign. And it was the Demonomicon and the Book of Noble Deeds, which is basically the anti the antithesis of the Book of Vile Darkness. And so it's got a lot of really good, awesome stuff, but you have to actively be good to receive the benefits of this, of this magic item. Um, and uh, it kind of goes back to uh, uh, an idea that I've had a while ago that what if you start a character that has this? And so I like the idea of like, okay, we're going to start a new campaign. A super powerful artifact. They're yeah. literally cutting off your Level hand one. and attaching the hand of Vecna <laughs> to see how you deal with this, you know? And Here then the whole go. campaign is like people chasing you because they want it. But if you get rid of it, you die. And yeah. how can I actually save myself because I'm attached to this thing? Um, but then aside from the class that you're actually leveling with, uh, you get all these other cool powers because you have, I don't know, this like whatever. And I'm, you I'm, just described a cyberpunk storyline. I, I did. You're right. You, you augment right. an arm with a robotic <laughs> superpower. People want it back, but they just throw you into the streets uh -huh. and it gives you all these crazy cool powers, but everybody <laughs> wants it from you. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's your campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking of that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty, but that yeah. they go to a post-apocalyptic planet at some point in Rick and Morty. And he takes the muscle tissue from like an arm and injects it into Morty. And then his arm gets really big, but it has its <laughs> its own mind because of muscle memory. <laughs> and so it's like really good at fighting. And he's like, oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be a really interesting campaign to have yeah. your regular stuff. And then this added on to it. Uh, but I, I like MacGuffins. I like things like that. And you're you're constantly, I don't know, you have to hide the fact that you have this. And I've been toying around with this system for magic items recently mm -hmm. and how to craft magic items. I want to have like concrete rules for how Jordan yeah, I would say allow things. For the last two months, you've been on this heavy binge about magic items in some way. Yeah. Has <laughs> made it in. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, and really I was thinking, thinking about, about the idea of uh, grafting um, 
like uh, uh, magical creatures body parts to yourself, which is kind of weird, but like, what if you could get a demon arm and replace your own arm with this demon arm? How would it influence you? Or the wings Vampire of a, a Pegasus or something on your back. And so now you can fly, yeah. but like you've done this terrible thing to this Pegasus. So I don't know. It's been interesting. I've been playing around with this idea. Your brain is so cyberpunk right now. It's crazy. Oh Those are all the storylines right there. They Somebody... take animal parts and put them in people oh, okay. to try to augment them. <laughs> yeah. Somebody... And your mission is to go stop the, the lab from doing that to these poor animals because yeah. people are getting like crocodile arms and, you know, they're getting like, like you said, orangutan arms or yeah. something. And, uh, All right, somebody, somebody, uh, we're, we're running a cyberpunk game. <laughs> Welcome to Saturday morning cyberpunk, everybody. Um, but yeah, what was, uh, yeah, what was your bardic inspiration? What are you working? What are you I think about my bardic week? inspiration is on the nose, maybe impossible. Okay. I don't think I could ever do it. And I would challenge anybody in our chat or even Jordan himself, who is a theater guy to maybe pick this gauntlet up and, and prove it could be done. But could you do a campaign that was also a musical? Oh, 100%. So just like you do an episode and there's a musical portion of the episode where everybody yeah. breaks into song and dance and you really do it. You're, you're party, uh -huh. you're, you're doing your NPC song and dance, your party's joining in. Maybe you hand them out some lyrics just before you start, or maybe they just riff in and they just can kind of pick up the the chorus with you and they can mm. kind of add some stuff in you're building harmonies on there you're playing it out and you just got the storyline that where in each four-hour episode that you're playing your four-hour session maybe once or twice a song and dance breaks out as this whole thing's going on and you could contain it into and really call it a true musical just like all the shows that do a musical episode like every every tv comedy sitcom show or whatever they always want to slip you know, a musical episode in where they, you know, they get to do some, some cool and crazy stuff. Um, do you think you could do a D and D campaign musical? Uh, well, it would, you would have to have the right people, but, yes. but essentially yes. And I don't, I don't know personally if I am the right person because I mm -hmm. am not good at lyrics on lyrically. I'm not good with that. Uh, sorry. I cannot improv lyrics. I'll say that. Um, mm -hmm. very well, but I have some friends that are quite good at it. And, uh, when I lived in Seattle, a couple of my really good friends got cast in a children's musical improv show. So the kids perfect. would, yeah. So the kids would, would give us like, I like lions or I like this. And you had a, you had a narrator, which would essentially be the dungeon master. Mm -hmm. And the narrator would kind of get ideas and, and lead, lead the story. And then the actors would jump up and they'd be like, yeah, I'm. I'm a cowboy that has, uh, I don't know, a purple horse. And here, I'm going to mm -hmm. I'm gonna sing a song about horses. And then the band would start playing. Like, uh, yeah. And they would follow along and be like, I think this is where he's going. And it was fun. It was fun to watch both as a, an adult and the kids loved it. But mm -hmm. if you used that structure and had the performers, you could easily make D&D &D the musical. And that oh, would be okay. Well, challenge. I, I hope somebody accepts this challenge. I, like you said, I don't think I could do it. I think I could curate some cool music to put in certain mm -hmm. spots that would trigger 
those people that could just, you know, just start picking it up and going and having fun. But I don't think I would, like you said, be able to just figure out lyrics in the top of my head. It was like who's line anyway. Yeah. Wayne Brady was that kind of Wayne Brady. Exactly what he could do. He was wonderful. (laughs) And he would just be like, Hey, let's do a song. Let's contact Wayne Brady and see if we can get him in a D and D game. (laughs) If you're listening, Wayne, Wayne, can we do a musical buddy? Come on. (laughs) Um, So exciting. But no, that's a great idea. And that's, that's creative and, and, uh, something that I have not seen. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder when Critical Role the musical will hit. Yeah. Like, in all or honesty, what they're going to steal could that you idea. Pull, could you pull off one episode of your of your campaign? So you got your rod of seven parts. It's been uh-huh. going on. It's a great campaign. But somewhere in there, you picked session number eight, session number 20, whatever it is. You said, I'm going to really throw them a curveball. Yeah. And I'm going to give them a musical during this just for fun to see how the, and don't even tell the players at first, you know, like you're just songs are going and you're singing and maybe you've got stuff already recorded, you know, that you could do and you could, you could throw in and then just see, see how they react to mm. an episode that turned into a musical that are like one of their D and D sessions that turned into a musical. <laughs> no, it's a fun idea. So like you have to have yeah. people, but yeah, I, I mean the, our, uh, our, the critical role people are also talented and they can sing and do really cool stuff. So I, I wonder, I, I just wonder when they're going to do that. Like people tweet or this they to already them. Maybe have, they'll do probably. it. Yeah. They maybe they'll have. do it. I haven't or yeah. Tell us if they've done it. <laughs> maybe they've done a song and dance one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, are you, are, are you, how's Skullport? I hear you're that, running around. Jeez. Well, <laughs> it is. We got there at the end of the session. So it is fantastic. Oh, really? The first store we were in, you could buy your own zombie. Oh, isn't that crazy? A zombie. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I forget what they call They might've called it like dead man's corner or something. They had a funny oh, name funny. and you could go in and the proprietor was a hag and she was selling prized zombies. Uh-huh. And it was like the, the price was something like you had to give her blood or some hair from yourself to get one of them. And then I was like, everybody's like, yeah, this could be a cool idea. Run around with a bunch of zombies. I'm like, Wait, how long do they last? She's like, oh, they, they last about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you control them for about an hour. And then that, you know, it was like this funny. But the way we went through the whole conversation and the session was so funny. It was definitely like a Rick and Morty episode show or just that conversation was yeah. about talking to a hag who's selling zombies and you're trying to figure out the upside and the downside of yeah. renting zombies, you know, like zombie Uber, Zuber or something, you know, it was just super funny, super, very act ink. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where we go next week. Cause it is a big city. It actually seems pretty big. The map's pretty big. Um, one of our characters got rolled already. So he got, you know, mugged. So that was good. Um, so it's going to be interesting. We're going to have to see how this goes. But again, our, our heroes are kind of heroes in maybe name or title, but not necessarily. So I'm wondering how we're going to fit into Skullport here. It's like, it's like I almost imagine in some ways we're like um, Batman, the type of superhero. Okay. Where he's a superhero, but he's like, I'm going to punch you in the face kind of superhero. I'm not, not you know, Superman, let your kids grow up to be but, but, you know, just like this rugged yeah. way out there, kind of dark superhero. Well, those are the kind of characters we're playing. So I'm yeah. wondering how that's going to fit into Skullport where we're just like, we're running around like the Punisher, you know, or vigilante justice and stuff. So it's going to be very interesting. I, it's exciting. I think uh, 
third level dungeon of the mad mage we only have like what 23 more levels to delve or something like that if, if not more so it's gonna be interesting um i love twilight domain cleric which has been really good that's fun yeah uh, i like being able to to do the they did bring the the vision down to 300 feet instead of it used to be you just see darkness like it's light like there's just no difference it's, right darkness is daylight to you kind of thing but they brought that down a little bit but it's still fun um i can't wait to get to some of the other spells the the channel divinity because i'm only level one cleric so far but like a channel you know being able to channel divinity and do all this other stuff is going to be really fun and looking at all the new spells from tasha's and looking at those lists and i'll be like oh this could be good so very interesting i'm loving it tuesday nights uh danimal our dungeon master from down under um, he was excited about Tasha stuff too. So, but that's the only game I played this week. We're getting close to Thanksgiving next week. Maybe we'll get some other games in and some other stuff going yeah, on. You should run something. But what about get that cyberpunk game going? <laughs> I've got the book. Uh, what about Jordan's games? Well, Jordan's telling me about his games. I get the book and show it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aliens is very cyberpunk. Oh, too. I would love to play an aliens game. I'm sorry. I'm very <laughs> tired. Um, Rod of Seven Parts is coming to an end. Uh, our players went to a magical, uh, kind of not, well, it's not magical. They went to like an, a vault and they were in this vault and they found a bunch of magic items and stuff. Uh, but they teleported out of the vault to the cocoon of law that Miska, the wolf spider is, uh, trapped inside. And the six fragments of the rod that they have, have allowed them to walk through it. And so they're now on the inside of this dimensional space thing that Miska's prisoned in. Uh, and they're going to go find uh, Miska the wolf spider and hopefully destroy him in some way. Uh, so we might have one, maybe two episodes left. I'm not really sure, but uh, it could be the final episode this Wednesday. So if you don't watch us live, you might want to check it out Wednesday. It's going to be a really, really crazy show. Uh, they've got all kinds of ideas and, and, and various things. but uh, And I, I built a Miska stat block. Um, that I modified from some other homebrew stuff that I found. And then I started throwing in some mythic stuff from Theros to make them like really strong. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's an impromptu monster. And so I don't know. Yeah. Man, let's do it. Um, so really fun. You should check out Rod of Seven Parts. Uh, my Patreon has it as a podcast, although it's missing a few episodes because I haven't had time to edit. Um, but the uh, show is free on Nerd Immersion Plays. Uh, but we always so. ask, though, is the rod fully assembled? No, because the last piece is literally in oh, Miska right. the so Wolf Spider. So they've got spider. six pieces together. So they've got though. six together. So they can they can cast level nine spells right now. They can do a lot of crazy mm. stuff because uh, the, the rod's quite powerful. Yeah, they can fly, all kinds of crazy things. Um, there is, uh, I was going to mention this quick uh, before we leave, that uh, uh, WizKids are... <laughs> They're releasing the yawning portal as a thing. And I don't, yeah, I, I forgot to tell you about it. this, but yeah. There's a picture of uh, it. $350 for this thing, which I was talking about with some friends that I'm like, you, do you use it once? Like, what do you use? I mean, that's really cool. Every campaign starts there. But I guess, I don't know. Like, <laughs> are you having a lot of fights in the yawning portal. Like it looks really cool though. And there's a giant pit, there's the well and all this other stuff. So uh, I don't know, just thoughts on that. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's I fun to, to have these store. iconic, you know, models. Like that's really cool, yeah. but, so but I, I, I don't see store. myself reusing it a lot. So I'm like, I, don't, I can't justify that purchase, but. 
Possibly. So when I went to pick up Tasha's, I was at the game store and right near the counter, they had a bunch of, I think they were called Warlock tiles or yeah. Warlock stuff. I have some over there. Yeah, which I is the, some. yeah, which is the thing that I've started seeing their version of doing, you know, tabletop terrain and yeah. really getting into it. And it's, it's exploded. The, I think the regular war games have been doing a lot of tabletop yep. um, <clears throat> scenery before. And some people in their games, you always hear stories of dungeon masters that have built really big super tables and stuff that look really cool. But for most of us, we, we don't have the time to do that, the money to do that. We're only playing every now and then, so you can't do that. But the the bar to get entry for those types of things is starting to get lower and lower and lower. Yeah. So easier and easier and easier for you to start collecting those cool things. I saw the ones that are like pop-up ones. I saw ones that are really good looking paper ones, Yeah. but they're at such high quality now that if you're a few feet away, you don't even realize mm -hmm. that it's just cardboard paper. That's all been, you know, folded a certain way or, or done the way they have the high res images on it. Or you just get the full on 3d printed terrain stuff and you move your miniatures around that you've got 3d printed and, and custom made. And all of a sudden you've got really cool custom props to use in a cool mm. game that you like to, to play, you know, even if it's theater of the mind, it's theater to the table now, right? Because <laughs> it's all right there. So, I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's it's expensive. I think you could you could easily go down a rabbit hole of spending a bunch of money, but you know, we we both just spent fifty bucks on a book, and then probably are going to spend the money to have it on D and D Beyond or buy it in Roll Twenty or you know wherever else you're going to use it. So yeah, if you but if you. Uh... I think it's it's just like minis. Like I didn't have a ton yeah. of minis, but you start like, oh, I need I need this monster for this. It night. starts with one, and then uh, <laughs> I, I think of the the ideas. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you've got like hundreds of dollars of minis, and you're like, you're right, but I've also been doing this for five years or yeah. six and years, I'm painting and them so and yeah. yeah, you 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 collect as you go. Um, but the train's really cool. I've we haven't had a game at the house yet, but I I've wanted to build. Uh, I wanted to run some people through the Tomb of Horrors and actually build the Tomb yeah. of Horrors with my Warlock tiles because I thought that would yeah. be fun to be like. Those are cool, but what yeah. was the competitor that came before them? The the Forge? D Dungeon Forge or Dragon Forge or something? Yeah. Something Forge. I think that's the one that like um, Nerd Immersion has quite a bit of. He has like a big. Dwarven Forge. Big Dwarven Forge. Yeah, they do that really stuff. There's stuff. a lot of people that have, that have bought into those Kickstarters yeah. spent three, four hundred dollars and all of a sudden they've got uh, table long yeah. dungeons. And They're stuff. compatible though. Like you just have to get the right clicks and you yeah. can put them oh, together. That's cool. so, yeah. With war tile? Uh, Dwarven Forge and uh, the Warlock tiles. And I think there's another one. Oh, uh, I didn't know they, that. They that's cool. can connect they with work each other. Because uh, I think the companies were just like, we could either lock you in or we could try and sell to everybody. So uh, they yeah. made they made a way no, to I think that's that. smart. So, yeah. That's really smart. Uh, awesome. Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching us live. If you are, uh, what's your favorite Tasha class? Tell us. Or aspect of the new book. Let us know in the comments below or your uh, bardic inspiration if you're going to run around. If you want Lucian to run a Cyberpunk 2020 game for Thanksgiving, uh, tell him and then make, yeah, tweet make, it out. make me play in it. So. Mm -hmm. And if you want Jordan to do a musical episode. Oh, man. Tweet him. That would be fun. DM him. <laughs> uh, I that's that's some work though. That might be. Yeah, we'll see. You anyway. can do it. You're you're a theater guy. You've done <laughs> plays. You've done. Doesn't Clue. mean I'm automatically done, musical. Did but. you sing in Clue? There was there was a song number. Uh, in Clue, we did not there? do Clue the musical. No. 
We oh, just did regular okay. Clue. But uh, yes, I have I have some a couple times. There you go. Here and there. There you go. I haven't even warmed <laughs> up. Oh. Uh, thank you guys I mean, so much. everybody's cosplaying already anyways. Why yeah. not throw in some songs and That's dances true. and stuff? <laughs> uh, we will uh, we will see you guys next week. Have a, a happy and wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, I hope if you, you guys, celebrate it. Uh, yep. If you do celebrate it. Yeah, if you're in America. If you're not in America, just just hey, have just a nice celebrate dinner. anyways. Just have a nice dinner. It'll be great. Yeah, be thankful for what you have. Uh, and we will see you uh, next next week, next Saturday, with another episode of Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.